This episode is brought to you by the new Australian Merino wool sock range from Budgie Smuggler. They're cracking socks made in Melbourne. They won't disappoint. Jump on budgiesmuggler.com.au to grab yours now. Young Henry's Newtowner is a beer we all wanted as a nation. Whether it's being thrown back at a gig, sipped slowly in a beer garden, or for telling those porky pies on your back deck, this Aussie parallel won't bloody disappoint. Grab your Young Henry's Newtowner today. Alright. Who, who, who's the big stiff out of you guys? Who's got the big stiff? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, we haven't really, we haven't really spoke about it. Yeah, anyway, uh, here's Wonderwall. Yeah, Rick and Terrence. Alright, mate, you're right. I've had a bloody gut for the big stiff podcast. You guys obviously have done your homework, which is really, really important. I've enjoyed this totally, and hopefully you'll go on the bigger and bigger and better things because you're a pair of great guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Big Stiff Podcast. Roscoe, how you going, mate? Scotty, good, buddy. What's news? Oh, not much, mate. Um, we can go out on the piss next week, which is good. Good signs in New South Wales. And then December 1's the day. It's the day when uh, we can get on the lash. T minus a few weeks. How yes, good. mate. How good. Can't wait. Um, we've got a big episode today. I do. Chris Very Green. Welcome aboard. How are you going, buddy? Hello, lads. Uh, I've I've been better. Uh, actually, I'm 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 okay. It's nearly. I've got two nights left of my uh, hotel quarantine here in Melbourne. So the conversations you had about getting out on the lash was very much uh, at the front of my mind at the moment. How good! I can imagine. Oh, just a quick question to start off with: how how much isolation have you had to do? Um, I've just ticked past. Uh, 50 days locked in a hotel room since uh, COVID started. Um, and I've done uh, the best part of seven months now since July last year or nearly eight months uh, since July last year in, in, in living in a bubble. Um, wow. Shit. It's so got to be tough. Rough. Yeah. Um, it, it is tough, but, um, you know, it's it, the sacrifice is worth it for the cricket. It's just... You know, the time in between games and, and, and whatnot is a lot, lot harder than, I guess, what we're used to. But so many people around the world are going through so many different yeah. things or have gone through different things, I guess. Mm. Yeah, 100%. So, for those who don't know Chris, um, he's a professional cricket player and male model. He was born <laughs> in South Africa. Bowls right arm off, off break and bats right-handed, playing as an all-rounder. In Australia, he plays for New South Wales and has gone to to be somewhat of a 2020 specialist, playing his trade all over the world, including the Sydney Thunder. So, mate, we're just going to ask a few quick questions um, just to get to know you a little bit better, know a few things about your career and, you know, some, um, yeah, just some interesting questions about cricket. Um, so, yeah. mate, we'll start off with fastest bowler you've faced. Oh, Easy one, uh, Sean Tate, um, and my net session to prepare me was was a fast one facing Stark, Cummins, Hazelwood, and, and Moses Enriques. But oh wow, um, yeah, it was my uh, debut for for New South Wales uh, in Queensland at Allen Borderfield, and yeah, <sighs> facing Sean Tate, it was it was something else. It, still, no bowler and no experience has come close to comparing to that. Um, so it was a good one in the end, but at the time I was absolutely bricking it 
that that over that he bowled for australia where he was just clocking everything over 155 popped up on my facebook the other week and it it comes up every year and i have to watch it it's so yeah, good you can't it's not so, um yeah yeah so i was greeted by the slips cordon of oh my ex Sydney mm. Thunder captain callan ferguson among others nice. saying yeah. that you're probably going to get a you're going to get a broken arm and i thought you know what you're, <laughs> you're probably right um so uh yeah it was a it was an interesting challenge, but one I, I got through and uh, there was a couple of times I was batting with Ryan Carters and oh yes, uh, we must have been. Nick Madison had just spent most of it smacking Tate and, and everyone all around the ground. I thought, oh, I'm not going to have to bat here. Um, and I was counting down his balls from the first ball of the Tate bowl of the match. I think I batted about seven. Um, <sighs> and I knew I had to get through when I walked to the crease, two or three overs of him and he wasn't on. Uh, I just remember facing Travis Head and I thought, you know what, I'm going to try and swing that hard um, <laughs> until he comes on. He came on. I said to Ryan, I said, look, if I get off strike here, I'm staying up that end and you face <laughs> it. Um, first ball went down the fine leg. There was definitely two in it, but I just decided to stay there and let him face the baptism. The worst so, part about Tate is he doesn't even know where they're going. No. Yeah. So it's just a nightmare <laughs> for any batsman. Yeah, easily. That that was what I feared. Um, you know, Maddinson sort of said to me, when you see his arm arm go low, um, that's the bouncer. So the first two balls I sort of half ducked and they were full outside off, thank God. <laughs> but I quickly uh, threw that strategy in the bin and the third ball was a bouncer and I was like, oh, my goodness, I don't know how it didn't hit me. And then I got one down the fine leg somehow and I was done. I was done. That was it. Jesus. I've seen enough. I've seen enough. Yeah, yeah. that'll do me. <laughs> Mate, cricket hero growing up. Uh, Jacques Callis, who you mentioned, yes. I was born in, born in South Africa. Um, mm-hmm. So first sort of memories of cricket really as, as a youngster was sitting on the couch with my um, mm. old man. He said, look, if you're going to continue learning cricket and, and following cricket, you should uh, copy this guy and emulate what he does. And yeah. that was Jacques Callis. And, you know, you fast forward, oh, from there, it would have been maybe 14, 13, 14, 15 years' time I made my debut and, and he's in the team playing with me. So it was pretty cool in the end. Absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. Most yeah. talented player you've played with or against? It's probably Jacques. Oh. Yeah, I was about to say that. That's probably <laughs> Jacques Callis. Yeah. Um, talented. It probably goes to a, a different level. I, I'd probably say someone like um, Nicholas Puran. Um, oh, yes. He's a freak. Yeah, those guys that have the ability to hit the ball um, anywhere. Um, De Villiers comes to mind playing against mm-hmm. him in the PSL. Um, those sort of 360 players. And then um, from a bowling point of view, you know, I, someone who I tried try to copy a few or learn a few deliveries off um, was uh, Narayan and Majib. And yep. I just can't do it. So I'd have to say those two. Did you have any uh, cricket superstitions? When you went out to bat or bowl? Um, nah, probably not superstitions. I've got like my quirky routine. So you see that deep breath I do before I bowl yep. each ball. Yep. Um, and then certain things when I step over the rope, when I bat, I wouldn't say they're sort of superstitions. So no sort of pre-game um, superstitions or on-field superstitions, just more, I guess, routines, which yep. I'm like, I think I'd forget them. I try and remember, you know, what I did or what, what shoe I put on first or what skins I wore or it's just too hard. Yeah. Yeah. Now we all know you're a good looking fella. Um, where'd you get your looks from your mum's side or your dad's side or a bit of both? 
Whew, good question. Um, <laughs> probably, probably a bit of both. Um, yeah. you know, I don't look at my parents or, or look at myself and go, wow, you know. Um, <laughs> I've, I've Just had, leave um, that to us. Yeah, I've, had, um, I've had people telling me I look like my mum and I've had people tell me look, I look like my dad. And I sort of see photos of my dad as a youngster and I, I can see a little bit of resemblance, resemblance rather. And then I mm-hmm. saw photos of my mum's dad as a youngster as well and I see a little bit. So I'd say a little bit of both. Luckily, I didn't get my dad's nose. He's got a stinking nose. <laughs> um, both part, they, they were both tennis players, so hopefully they passed on a few sporting genes to me. Absolutely. Mm. Favourite movie? Oh, um, I've watched a ton. Um, yeah, teams. I was about to I've say that. You would have watched heaps. Um, look, I, every time I travel, I watch. I find myself, I watch Shawshank Redemption. Um, oh yes yes cracking and then the other one also sort of prison theme that a little bit on the lighter side is um the longest yard um, yes, oh great, yes great movie. yeah so i probably have to say those two given the amount i've watched them and um how they keep sort of popping up yeah mate you were born in south africa to a south african father and an english mother and moved to australia in 2001 what was your childhood like Whew, um you know, I, I remember growing up in South Africa. Um, I, I left there when I was about seven and uh, mm-hmm. we went on some awesome holidays down the coast um, mm-hmm. to the game reserve where you go and sort of see lions and cheetahs and um, elephants oh, wow. and everything in, in the wild. So that was pretty cool. Um, yep. And then so I fought really fond memories of South Africa. And then, you know, we uprooted. My parents made that huge sacrifice uh, to pursue a better life for our family, but more so my brother and I to uproot our lives and move to Australia where we knew no one had no family um, here and was further away from England for my mum. So um, as a family, it forced the four of us to, to become very, very close. Um, and then, you know, getting new friends through school and, and I guess my parents getting new friends through my brother and I. Um, sport was always a massive part of my childhood and upbringing, my brother and I would constantly be playing games in the backyard or down at the park. And, mm. um, you know, the, the local park had everything for us, tennis courts, cricket net, basketball courts, and then a big oval where we'd kick a rugby ball or soccer ball or make up some sort of games and or take down some golf clubs. So I would say a lot of sport was involved in it, a lot of family time. And then, um, again, I, I've a lot of fond memories of beach holidays and, and traveling around and you know we, we're still pretty well, i still think we're new to australia so experiencing mm. coastline and um going for a surf along the the east coast is always something that i love doing and we love doing mate you grew up on a tennis court because like you said you both your parents were pros you played mm. soccer golf like you said what made you choose cricket in the end Good question. Yeah, look, cricket and tennis became my my sort of loves and main passions. I had dreams as a youngster of playing tennis at Wimbledon and, and cricket at the MCG and Lords. Um, you know, the, the sort oh, of yeah. pinnacles of, mm. of both sides. Um, and then I think, you know, during my writing my HSC, I had to decide whether to go to America and, and pursue tennis and, and go to a college over there or stay in Australia in Sydney and, and study and, and pursue cricket and um, I think the fact that I enjoyed the previous cricket season and, you know, I, th- I think I was drawn more to the team sport side than, than individual yeah. sport side. Mm. I, you know, I, 
I now have developing interests in um, leadership and, and culture and everything. So I think I was definitely drawn to the team aspect as, as opposed to the individual aspect of the sport. Yeah, beauty. Yeah. And what, what sort of rep cricket did you play growing up in Sydney? Not a lot, if I'm honest. Um, okay. I sort of played, I never made any of the New South Wales sides um, as a youngster, all the way through age groups and then um, the two major ones in under 17s and 19s. I played, um, you know, just Green Shield and, and PG, so under 16s and 21s for my club. Um, again, because tennis was just as important. And, you know, I, I used to be disappointed a little bit when not picked, but I was even yeah. happier, I think, in hindsight, looking back on it, because I didn't have to go early winter, cold winter mornings into the SCG to train cricket all year round. I could go and play my tennis tournaments and um, I sort of balanced out my years. That way, tennis would be all year round and then cricket would come into the focus in summer. Yeah, and and uh, Chris, who was your um, like junior club? Did you come through the Manly system? No. So my junior club was St. Ives. Um, okay, yep. And then I went to uh, Northern Districts through then. So I played uh, under 16s with them. I played school cricket at Knox. Um, and oh, then Knox Grammar, yep. Yeah, junior rep cricket at uh, North Shore. It was Gordon for a year or two, and then it became oh, North yep. Shore. Um, yeah, and then ND spent three years at Manly, and then now I've recently gone back to Northern Districts again. Mm. So um, signing a New South Wales rookie contract. How, how was that feeling, mate? Obviously, obviously not making those under nineteens, under seventeen sides. Like these, this day and age, it's pretty hard to get into the New South Wales squad with the caliber of players. Um, yeah, how was the feeling, mate? Yeah, it's pretty cool. I guess you know it came after my first few or one day, few one day games for New South Wales, and then playing one game yeah. for the Thunder after signing a contract with them. So uh, I remember the feeling, or. or or thinking, you know, I'm a professional cricketer now for a full year. I've got mm. New South Wales and then I've got Thunder over that Christmas period. And, and you know, no matter what happens over the next 12 months, I'm a professional cricketer. And um, thinking that and having that and going into training at the SCG every day, um, using those, those facilities or, what, you know, when Cricket New South Wales used to be based at the SCG there, it was, it was really cool and really, really surreal experience to be getting paid to be doing what you love and, you yeah. know, something I was, it was just, yeah, it was getting paid to do what I was doing before, but I didn't have to go and work in a cafe or work at the bar in the bar at night or, you know, do coaching or whatever to, to try and get money to go out or go on holiday or, or whatever. So mm. it was, um, it was really, really cool and, and a proud moment. And it sort of was the, the kickstart or the birthplace of my professional career. Now, now, man, uh, I know, like, you, you look at Steve Smith and Marnus Labuschagne, who, you know, hit a lot of balls to get them ready for test matches and whatnot. Are you are you the type of batsman or bowler that has to bowl a lot of balls, does do does the extras, like, before and after training? Yeah, look, I, I think I'm, I'm someone that loves training and, and I probably am in that, that over-trainer sort of class. And, um, yeah. you know, I consider myself a, an, an all-rounder, so I'll try and spend equal amounts of time on my batting and bowling and then include fielding and, and you know, strength and conditioning in there. So often my training days, particularly in the, the pre-season blocks, can be pretty hectic and full on. But, um, you know, I, I, I really try and 
or as I've got older, um, continue to try and make the, make them as purposeful as possible and, and, you know, have the end goal in mind of what I do want to achieve through those sessions because, um, yeah, I guess given the nature of what I do now, I have these big blocks that then I then go away for extended periods of time and then have to come back for a shorter block and then it's into tournament mode again. So it's just having that balance. But, um, yeah, I definitely say I'm in the school of overtraining and, and overdoing it rather than um, – less is more if, if that makes sense mm-hmm. so to th- december 2015 how nervous were you the first time you played in the big bash in australia for the sydney thunder versus sydney Sixers inside a full stadium essentially with tv cameras yeah i remember get, getting told it was you know it was the last game of bbl04 um my first year at thunder we were training at the scg and um the, the coach and, and then Mike Hussey came up to me and said, look, no matter what happens, you're playing in two days' time. And I just remember so that that training session was just a blur. Um, yeah, I, I yeah. wanted to go straight to my bag and ring my parents and um, tell them. And, and obviously the nature of, of cricket and whatever, you've got to wait and you can't tell too many people because of all the gambling restrictions yep. and, and whatever. But I thought, you know what, screw it. This is my moment. I, I need to <laughs> tell my mum and dad. So I, uh, I snuck off. Um, sent them a text saying, look, I'm playing. I'll call you later. I've got to go back to training because um, it was completely out of the blue. I didn't expect it. You know, they, they put Nathan Horitz on the ben- bench for me to play. So it was... Um, Shit. It was wow. Yeah, it was a complete surprise. And I probably didn't realize at the time, but it was more because we couldn't qualify and I guess I hadn't played. They were like, well, we're going to give Greeny an opportunity to see if there's any um, future there. Um, so... You know, fortunately for me, I went out and we lost, unfortunately. We lost the unlosable game pretty much, but I was able to um, bowl all right. I think I bowled four overs, none for 14. And um, well. through, I then got a, a rookie contract that year. And um, then the Thunder said, all right, we'll, we'll sign you on again for one more year. And that year I played every game. We went on to win it. So it was... Um, yeah, it was a pretty quick turn of events from that first experience playing at a special place at the SCG in front of friends and family. I, I think I was probably too excited to be nervous. It was just mm. too much going on for me. No no nerves at all batting in front of um, Mike Hussey at four and he was at five? Yeah, I don't know. I still don't know why <laughs> they did that. Um, but they said, you know, obviously I, I must have slogged him half decently in the net. So they sent me out um, and... Yeah, I don't remember the conversation. I think I was just uh, in that blur moment and, and I, I slogged one up in the air and ran three while Jordan Silk ran in and took one of the highlight reel catches. It went nice. up that high. Um, so it was, a, yeah, it was a short-lived one. I, I don't even know. I must have got one or two, but yeah, hit it up that high, um, but then came on and bowled all right after that. So um, good. Yeah, I think now- there was too much going on. Now, mate, we, you just touched on it. Uh, Sydney Thunderside who won the comp 2015-16. Those two teams had some serious players. How, how surreal was it being part of that? And how were the beers after that game? <laughs> um, I'll start with the surreal side. <laughs> yeah, look, look, I think um, look, playing playing with Jacques Callis for me as a, as a kid, um, the guy I sort of – idolized and watched was just crazy uh, rubbing shoulders with him becoming mates with him teammates with him and then being there at the end lifting a, a trophy with him was really cool and then when you throw in um 
two guys that when I moved to Australia, I watched and, and followed so closely. And Mike Hussey mm. and Shane Watson was just incredible. Um, and then you look at the rest of the team was, uh, and it's if I sort of feel bad saying the rest of the team, but it's Kawaja, Clint Mackay, yeah. Aiden Blizzard, Andre Russell, um, Chris Hartley, Farwood Ahmed. Um, so it's, it's crazy um, and it was it was really really cool um you know something i have i will cherish for the rest of my life playing in front of mid 50s to just under 60,000 people at the mcg um loads of thunder fans traveled down for it my mum and dad were there um yeah it was really really cool and then you know after we lifted the trophy i think my mum and dad left the chain rooms at about 3 30 in the morning i think we left oh shit we, we left <laughs> kick we on left yeah well we didn't get back in to the change rooms until about midnight or just after midnight because we went around and spent so much time on field and um as i said there were a heap of thunder fans and members that traveled down so we went and spoke with them and took photos and stuff and then mm. Yeah, I remember. And then we left as players at about, like, I think they eventually kicked us out about half past four, just before five in the morning. Um, went straight to champagne breakfast. And um, I think I had about 20 minutes to half an hour sleep. And, you know, the way it is with Big Bash, unfortunately, at the end of the tournament, everyone just goes their separate ways. So on our flight back to Sydney, there was only about six of us. Um, oh, wow. The, yeah, and, and there was only myself, Ben Rora, and Gurinder Sandu, I think, didn't play. Um, oh, yep. And I remember walking off and I had my sunglasses on and I thought, oh, my gosh. I did some media at the ground. I was still new to it all, but I just thought, please don't interview me. Please, please. <laughs> I was surprised at how much media and fans there were at Sydney Airport. And thank goodness they went for Ben Rora because I was not in any state to do it. <laughs> Better than Lego. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so no, it was cool. And then uh, I caught up my mates the next day for Australia Day. It was sort of the celebration. Oh, oh even awesome. better. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, we, we mentioned in the intro um, you become a T20 gun um, and it's taking you all over the world as a result, hasn't it? So you're constantly following the international competition. So let's go on that journey, hey? And um, you first went to Pakistan in 2017 to play for Lahore. What took you over there, buddy? Yeah, so our Thunder coach, um, Paddy Upton, was the head coach at Lahore in the PSL. And um, I'd had a good big bash again. And um, they had a few dropouts, Sean Tate, funnily enough, um, and Dwayne Bravo. <laughs> and I think I, I went and replaced one of them and um i just thought like why why me and he thought no come over there'll be good experience um and the first day i, I got there i remember being so jet lagged you know flying over business class was incredible all these new experiences staying in a top yeah. hotel and, and i went down wow. at about i woke up at four did a quick gym session um bumped into my mate Wado, who was playing for a different team he's like oh let's go to breakfast um and then um i saw my captain mccullum and and they're like oh and so we went over and sat down at a table and that table quickly grew to brendan mccullum shane watson kumar sangakara kevin peterson <laughs> hayla j wardner and, and chris green oh and fuck like, off really <laughs> i'm like what the hell am i doing here um uh, I, I went back to my room and i, I rang my mum and dad and i was like i think i got off in the on the wrong spot um like i, I just can't I can't believe where I am, who I'm sitting with, and and 
you know, these guys are talking to me as if I'm an equal. And, I, you know, I still couldn't believe it. I was like, I've watched you guys play and dominate all my life. And now, you know, you're sitting here talking about how good my big bash was. It was like, that's was awesome. Unbelievable. Um, so it was a, it was a crazy start. Unfortunately, I didn't play, but, you know, I learned so much off Brendan McCullum and um, mm. Son on the Rhine as well. They were the main two that I guess I, I learned off and we had a lot of fun. Um, Grant mm. Elliott, Jason Roy, um, James Franklin, those guys were, were awesome to be around. But, um, yeah, it was, it was my first taste of that, that franchise international cricket where, you know, it's highly mm. competitive. You've got, you know, eight overseas players competing for four spots in, in the PSL and then IPL, whereas other tournaments is like if you get signed as the overseas, you pretty much play until you fail. Um, yep. so it was um, a really cool start and, um, yeah, it made me hungry for more after that. So, mate, you, you came back from Pakistan. Um, you, you lost your New South Wales contract, unfortunately. Um, moved to Manly. How, how, how difficult was it copying that news? Yeah, it was. Um, you know, I was I was disappointed because there's that uncertainty around it. Um, and mm-hmm. I sort of made the move to Manly because um, the, I, I decided to work with um, Sean Bradstreet, who was the, the head of head of Manly um, cricket and then our assistant coach as well. And I said, look, I, I don't have this this contract anymore, but I want to take my game to the next level after learning, you know, from that PSL, from the Big Bash yeah. and then also from being in a professional setup and kind of create my own one. Um, mm-hmm. So from there, I used him on a batting side. I, I used Anthony Clark on a bowling front and oh, yep. um, started, you know, doing my own um, gym and, and conditioning with it, with a trainer as well. So I, I created my own setup and I actually started enjoying it a lot. And, um, you know, it started to pay a lot of dividends on and off the field. And, um, you know, I think it set me up for, a really good big bash that year and um you know in, in following on the opportunities that that soon arose from that mm. Mm. Uh, i noticed of recent times maybe the last couple of years that you've learned to spin the ball the other way as well um who, who had the most influence on that was that sunny on Ryan? look I, I think so it'd probably be yep. him um from a learning point and then you know, very blunt and simple conversation I had with Kevin Peterson the following um, yep. PSL. We were in the same team at, at Quetta Gladiators and um, we were just having breakfast together one morning. Again, something that I couldn't believe I was doing. But I was just, you know, I, I finally, after a few breakfasts, plucked up the courage to ask him what he thought of, of me and my game. And, yep. and he said, I'll be honest with you, I... At the moment, as being an off spinner, if you can't spin the ball the other way or have any aspect of mystery, I just feel like I can hit you for six whenever I want. Um, yep, and we'll do it. So it was that that no threat. So I, you know, from there, I, I wanted to work on something where I can have a a point of difference rather than just be a a one trick pony. Because you know, after years of it, eventually people are going to figure out that you only bowl Yorkers yep. or you only bowl around the wicket or, or whatever, and you've got to adapt. Otherwise, you get found out and you start getting hurt. So I started working on things, and then um, Shane Bond pushed me to bowl a lot more over the wicket um, as the new mm-hmm. big batch coach. And, um, yeah, just trial and error through, you know, what what I watched and observed through Sunil and, and what I could bring in naturally into my own game and my own applications of it just to – have a little bit of difference um 
and, and you know, continue to make little changes in, in my game moving forward. Mm. Mate, when, when you got picked up by the Quailanders again, um, your T20 reputation was growing immensely. So at the time, could you feel that your game was improving a lot? Yeah, I, I did. Um, and probably I, I realise it now more than I did in the time. It was just, um, you know, looking back on, on, on my time in the moment then was, I was just hungry for more. I wanted more. I had that first taste of it and I just wanted more. You know, my my sort of avenues were and opportunities were less and less domestically with New South Wales. So I knew that I had to perform in the Big Bash to get opportunities elsewhere. Yep, so without yep. putting extra pressure on myself, if I perform there, then I get the opportunities to go and play and learn off some of the cricketing greats. And, and that was what was going to make me better and um, give me more opportunities to try and push for my dream of playing for Australia. And that's how I, I literally see it at the moment. You know, unfortunately I don't have a domestic contract because at New South Wales is Nathan Lyon and Adam Zamper and, um, you know, push for youngsters as well at, at other states. Yeah. But I'm lucky I've got the opportunity to go and play in these tournaments and, um, you know, showcase my mm my difference and, and, and hopefully continue to perform and go, you know, this is what I can do. If something pops up, great. If not, it's a, it's a bloody awesome life and, and yeah. really cool career that yeah, I'm able to continue to build. So I'm, I'm having a lot of fun. I've got, you know, no regrets. And, um, you know, I, I honestly believe I want to keep taking steps forward in it rather than mm -hmm. taking the punt and going, okay, you know, I'm not going to travel. I'm going to give it all up and, and try and score runs and take wickets in club cricket in the hope that I get an opportunity. But, you know, the, the reality is the age I am now, I'm seen as too old for, for giving that opportunity. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah. just about waiting and, and putting my best foot forward the best way I can. Now, yeah, mate, 2018 to 2020, uh, the Caribbean. Now, you play for the Warriors. How different is life in the Caribbean? Because we know, we sort of get that laid back, relaxed, Usain Bolt, you know, cheeky sort of vibe. How, okay. how, how is it playing there? It's bloody awesome. Um, <laughs> I, I heard, I heard you get on the piss quite a bit there too. <laughs> it, the rum tastes even better. <laughs> yeah, I, I went in thinking exactly the same and, and thought, you know, these guys are just super talented, hit the ball for six whenever they want, don't really care too much about it, just, you know, go out and play and and and, uh, and whatnot. But I think I, the day one I arrived there, they made me do a um, a yo-yo test and I thought, this is not the Caribbean. Oh, um, and I, I couldn't believe how passionate they were about the game, how much they knew about the game and then, mainly how much they actually cared about it. And and it's just that total mis, misconception of, of their culture. Um, yeah. You know, that's what they show. They show that entertainment package that we see with the likes of Russell, Pollard, Bravo, yeah. Gale, Puran, um, you know, those big players that we see on TV in the IPL and all around the world and Darren Sammy. But they care so much and they have so much passion for it and so much history and rivalry between all the islands. So it was really cool. And of course, off the field, they absolutely love it. Um, <laughs> they, you know, they after the games, we were constantly in the bar um, and they <laughs> show reruns of the game and everyone from the games in the same bar piling in. So it was, it was really, it, it is such a cool tournament to be a part of. You go 
island hopping around the Caribbean playing cricket in front of awesome crowds. So it's yeah, it sounds fucking fun. awful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It is really tough. Mate, 2020, you're playing the most famous T20 competition in the world, the IPL, for Kolkata. What an achievement, buddy. Like, how's how this tournament? Like, and what was the fans, the players, the setup? What was that all like? Because we've all heard that, like, it's just absolutely insane. It's like cricket heaven over there. Yeah. You know, that, that, that opportunity was an absolute dream come true. You know, since making my debut and, and watching the IPL unfold, you know, as a youngster when it first started, it was something that I've got to be a part of this. I want to yeah. be a part yeah. of this. You know, there's, Huge financial upside if you get taken yeah. at the top, but you know I got I got the bottom level, but I didn't care. It's something I'd pay for, um, and probably ended up close to paying for, given the deductions and after tax. But it was it was incredible. Um, you know the the only disappointment I had was that um, COVID hit, and it meant that we were in the UAE with no fans, and I didn't get to experience the, yeah. the madness firsthand of, of India and the passion they have for the cra- uh, for the game rather. Um, that was the only slight disappointment and something that's left me hungry for so much more. Um, mm. But, you know, blown away by the talent depth that they have um, in all the teams. And then you throw in the best of the best overseas players in the world. Um, it was incredible. Like I found myself in the one game I played, which was one one more than I expected, uh, opening the bowling, bowling to Rohit Sharma and Quinton de Kock. And they had, <laughs> you know, de Kock dropped off my bowling and, um, I just remember thinking, I was like, if I don't go for nine or ten and over here, I'll be very, very happy. Um, mm. it, was, it was it was a really, really cool experience and something I, you know, as I said, I think I'm just hungry for so much more after that very small taste and that taste of it outside of India. Yeah, bloody oath. Like watching it, it's, it's almost better than watching a World Cup because you've literally got their best and there's no restrictions on like bloody players that can play for any team. So it's like, yeah, it's so good. I, I just love it. It's it's such a spectacle. Yeah, for sure. It's and the games are always close. You know, you look at this yeah. year and talk of bad pitches, but then the bowlers play a massive part. And you look at bowling lineups that they have, and you know they're knocking over the world's best batters for 130 runs. And you're like, well, these are the world's best bowlers and the world's best batters. So I think it's fantastic. And as I said, the the talent of the guys that you know and then also you don't know is just incredible. Bloody mm. earth. Now, mate, this is a bit of a not not oh, negative time in your career. You know, you Arjun Nair's gone through it. Um, a few other bowlers have gone through it as well. Uh, your ninety-day ban um, for technically chucking them, but it's it's such a fine line. Um, how hard and tough was it going through this? And um, what what did you have to do to rectify this? Yeah, it was a um, you know it was. It, it, it came at a time where arguably I was at the top of my joyride or at the peak yeah. of the joyride. 2019 was a, was probably at that time my best year and most consistent year. I, I went, I had a busy time away. I left for, in June for Canada, uh, went straight from Canada to, to England, went straight from England to the Caribbean, went straight from the Caribbean Fuck. to the C10, came home. We started well in the Big Bash with three from three. You know, I performed in all those tournaments, started performing in the Big Bash, got signed in the IPL. Um, then, you know, 2nd of January, I, I got the news that I'd failed. Uh, I'd been reported 
had to go get tested and then um, soon after found out that of the 36 balls I bowled, only a couple were slightly over. So it was a, a huge shock, um, something I didn't see coming. You know, before going to Canada, I was up at the National Academy bowling there, being filmed the whole time by all the analysts. Not once did anyone sort of pick me up and said, you know what, there's there's a little bit of cloud or doubt or, or anything. And, you know, I'd been playing Big Bash since 2014, all these tournaments. So unless people were talking behind my back, it came in a massive shock. Um, yeah. You know, at a time where it was a kick in the guts, but yeah. I, was, I was very lucky and, and still am very grateful for the support I got from, you know, everyone around me, but particularly the teams that I was playing for or due to play for. They sort of said they're going to stand by me and, that's um, good. Yeah, with my coach, um, I, I just sort of said, "Look, I, I want to. I don't want to just get back. I want to come back bigger and better." So um, I'm very blessed that he had the time available to try and get me back. And um, even though I was on, I only had to make the change, um, a very minute change. I wanted to be as safe as possible. So I, I, my goal was to get completely clean, not just slightly clean. So my final results, you know, were all my deliveries between zero and, and three degrees where when I got tested, I was between sort of seven and 16 or 17 degrees, yep. um, which to the human eye, you can't really pick that up. No. But um, that was my goal. And, um, you know, it was something that, that motivated me. And then coming back in, in the CPL, IPL, and, and then England recording um, some of my best bowling figures was, was something that just really justified a lot of the, the hard work that both myself and my coach put in and, um, you know, something I look back, I'm really proud of. And, and that whole experience has, has taught me so much about, you know, mm. my, my cricket and, and then also my life. So I'm very grateful for it as well. Well, was it one specific ball like that, that quicker ball you bowl? Was that, was that the one that they thought you were chucking or was it, was it every delivery? Yeah, no, it was it was it was deemed that one. Um, yeah. So what had yep. happened in that time that I'd spent away for so long, I didn't have, you know, the opportunity to stop and and you know just train. I was just playing the whole time, so my my technique had slipped. Um, yep. And the nature of the the testing procedure is whatever action you bowl with when you get reported, that's what you have to replicate in the test. Um, <laughs> How do you even do that? <laughs> yeah. So. In, the, in there, my coach said, look, this isn't how Greeny typically bowls. Can you use other footage? And they said, we're not allowed to do that. This is the process. So I had to replicate poor technique. So, you know, if you're a batter, you replicate poor technique, you're probably going to get out more often than you do. So mm. I knew that I was prob that wasn't a good sign. Um, and looking yeah. at the, the slips in my technique, it wasn't – I was surprised as how – how far my lean was in my body. Um, so that was yep. the main change I had to do is just become a lot taller at the crease. And, you know, in the end, that's helped me deliver all my new balls that I'm working on and, and add that extra element of, of mystery and then also make me a lot more consistent with my off spinner because back then I actually don't know how I was delivering off spin um, from that position. Was there a bit of science that went involved to getting your new action? Did like the coaching techniques that you, implemented and it's obviously improved your bowling like you said but was there a science to how the coaches were like i really want to get you to do this and that yeah there were some um rogue drills and stuff that we that we went through just to to be different but you know i as i said i was i had a lot of support from my coach anthony mm -hmm. clark he, he was fantastic and then 
um, physios and, and strengthening strength and conditioning coaches got involved just looking at my body and my shoulder and and range and stuff so there was a whole heap of stuff but basically i wanted to start releasing the ball on the uh one o'clock side of 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 vertical so you know yep. i was releasing yep. the ball on the 11 o'clock side of, of straight up which meant that i wasn't able to get that typical drift that an off spinner can get away from a right hand or into a left wow. hand you know, the, the perfect off spin delivery um so that was our goal is to get to that side and i know when i deliver it 12 o'clock or anything right of 12 o'clock my action is super super clean and, and consistent even now with the changes i make if i slip and bowl it at 11 it's still really clean it's just mm. if that starts happening it's a flag that okay i've either been on the road a lot and i need to stop and and look at my action and and do some technique technical work um so there's there's a lot of stuff in there that i've learned technically but i guess um the main thing that's come from it is just the reminder you know as as there has been through covid with everyone is just to stop take a step back and and look at yourself from the outside in and just check in so you know constantly now at the end of tournaments i'm always checking in from a sort of physical technical and, and mental standpoint and before i go mm -hmm. on to the next no matter how big that turnover is no, that's great mate this year you played in the caribbean in the uk and in england you, you got the holy grail, mate. You, you got a hat trick and a five wicket haul for Middlesex. That's bloody. Yeah. Not many people, I think, golfers, the, the equivalent would be like a hole in one. But yeah. in, in cricket, there's been so many darn good bowlers that have never gotten a hat trick. So can you talk us through that over? Yeah, I'm still searching for my own hole in one, personally. I'd love <laughs> yeah. it. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it, it, was, it was amazing. Again, you know, something that just. Um, it didn't sink in till a couple of days after and and my coach messaged me just he was absolutely stoked and obviously gave him a lot of um justification as well absolutely. but um you know playing for middlesex at lords um ticking off that dream and yeah and then, um you know playing alongside or underneath my good mate oh morgan he's i sort of got there and he said greeny i want you to be bowling the hard overs in the power play and then a few death overs for me and i was like mm. Brilliant. Um, so you want me to go the go the journey then? Um, <laughs> I sort of fought away and against Kent, um, he threw the ball to me in the last over. I think the the last over went like wicket first ball. Um, there's a misfield for two, so I was pretty angry because it made the the set out of get back to the short yeah. boundary. He then hit the next ball for six, and then um, it went wicket, wicket, wicket. Uh, so it was. Uh, it was a crazy finish. Um, and then I just remember the last ball chatting to Morgs at the top of my mark. I said, look, the last two balls, I've gone slow and wide across the batter because there was a really short boundary at Cow Corner. Um, and I said, look, last time I was on a hat trick was in the Big Bash. I went for my Yorker against Adam Zamper and it missed by and like a bee's wing. I heard um, uh, Matthew Hayden say the other day instead of a bee's dick, so I'll use that. Bees was um, <laughs> and um, he's like, I was like, do I go for that or do I go the same thing and we see what happens? And you know, the, the odds are I'm not going to get hit for six, but it's not going to be the hat trick ball. So let's just do that. It's a team ball. I said, agree, happy. And he swung at it, tried to hit it to cow, top edge, straight to short 45. And I remember just watching in slow motion, going, please catch it. It's a studio. <laughs> He called it and I was just like, oh my God, this is so cool. So it was, um, yeah, it was, I silenced the Kent crowd, the pikeys at Kent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. It was, um, it was really cool. 
How are the beers after that game? Jesus. <laughs> well, we um we lost, unfortunately. Oh I, uh, no, that puts a hinder on me. We struggled a lot with the bat while I was there. Um, yeah. So we didn't get enough runs um, a lot of the time. And that time chasing. So I did have a beer, but um, we had to drive back uh, two hours back into London to where I was staying. So it took a few days to get a couple of days off where, um, yeah, I could I could celebrate it properly and, and the way it should be. Yeah, mate, uh, injuries play a big part in sport. Um, have you had any injuries? Like, you're obviously a pretty fit bloke and, you know, not that I know of, but um, have you had any injuries? Uh, look, touch wood, I, I haven't had any bad ones. I, I mm. did lose in my ankle um, in the last game, the one year of the Big Bash before going to the PSL um, and got lucky it wasn't bad enough to sort of rule me out. And um, I think I... I sort of just hit it, taped it up and um, ensured that I could just rehab. Um, so it didn't prevent me from getting on that aeroplane. Um, and, you know, look, they're probably something that it's going to happen at some stage. You just hope yeah. it's not at a big moment or a big point in time. And um, I would say, you know, that the biggest setback or I've had was being forced to sit out um, through my band for three months and that mm. completely became six months through COVID. So yeah. it does suck, but it's, it's part of the game and, um, as I said, if you look for the positives and, and the opportunities that can come out of it, um, then I think that's the best way to sort of get through those those setbacks or overcome the adversity that naturally you're going to face as a as an athlete. Mm. Mate, we bloody love hearing this. Your dream is to play for Australia. Did at any time in you when you in your childhood you thought, oh, I might use my British passport and go play try and. <laughs> play for England or go back to South Africa? Well, you know, sometimes in other sports I sort of joke uh, with my mates and they say, oh, what, how, what was the rugby score? I said, oh, I don't know, mate. We're world champions. And I say I support South Africa or England win. <laughs> England win. I follow England or Australia win. I follow Australia. So I've got that choice. But, um, you know, since I moved over to Australia, I've always seen myself as Australian. There was a... Yeah, yeah. A point in time, um, just after losing my New South Wales contract, oh, just before getting a New South Wales contract, sorry, where um, the previous year I'd gone over and done well uh, for Surrey in second 11. Um, yep. And that was, I think it was just after or, or just before we won the Big Bash. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, had plans to go back. Alex Stewart said, would you come back? Um, I said, Absolutely. Um, let me just speak with New South Wales. It was in the middle of Big Bash. He said, are you going to come back? I said, yes. Let me confirm with New South Wales that the door there is still not open. Um, and they, New South Wales said, look, definitely go. Um, mm. You're not going to get an opportunity here. And um, so I, I said, I, I sorted it out. Stewie said to me, if you come and start half as well as you did, we'll sign you for for, for three years and, and give you that, oh, wow. that opportunity. So I was all set and ready to go. And um it was the, one of the last games. I just signed a two-year deal with the Thunder, so I spoke to our GM about how that would look, and he said, look, if it happens, you can always just break contract. Um, and then, so I was, yeah, the plan was there and laid, and um, then I took three wickets against the Sixers at the SCG and got a call from the New South Wales general manager saying, please don't go to England. We're going to give you a contract. I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> so all of a sudden... Um, you know, I found myself with a New South Wales contract after getting three wickets against the Sixers and, and plans quickly changed. So it was a 
sliding crazy. doors moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, whether it was meant to be or not, it, it's put me in the position where I am in my life. And mm. uh, yep. soon after I lost that contract, but I, I've been able to consistently perform and get opportunities elsewhere and now play in England as an overseas player. Brilliant. Yeah, now, mate, I'm going to ask you a, a bit of a funny question. What's yeah. the uh, the best and worst grounds to play at in Sydney grade cricket? Oh, um, I'm I'm a stickler <laughs> for change rooms. Um, so oh, yeah, worth worth and, and and travel distance. I live in Manly, so um, oh, no. worst change rooms and grounds. Uh, so worst change rooms are by far. Parramatta and uh, Hawkesbury. Hawkesbury. <laughs> <laughs> he plays first grade for Hawkesbury. <laughs> not only have to drive about four days to get there from Manly and, and you know, dodge cow size flies, but you sit in the smallest change room and, and, and then same at Old Kings in Parramatta. Say cop it, Scotty. Yeah. Old Kings is one of the worst. It's not a bad drive, but it's tiny. It's a you know, it's the smallest. It's the smallest change room I think going around, and then the other one uh, that I always try to. The other two that I try and avoid are Penrith away. Great change rooms, great place once yep. you're there. Bloody miles away, um, <laughs> and then Campbelltown away. Change rooms average, canteens yep. average, and then you know it's just too far. Um, What's the go-to canteen purchase? Uh, usually. Uh, I, my health's clearly at the top top tier, so usually just a, a, a good chicken burger. Um, yeah, nice. Yeah, is, is all that I'm after. Um, top grounds, uh, living in Man North Sydney. Uh, so yep. I have the, the close ones: North Sydney away, Manly away. Terrible change rooms at Manly, but at least I can walk to the ground. Um, mm. Moss been away close. Also terrible change rooms though, but it's a good one. Jermaine's <laughs> um, a good place to play. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that's about it, I reckon. Those are the main ones. Yeah. So clearly, yeah. I, I don't really mind about. I don't. I'm not focused on the wicket or, or the out <laughs> yeah. driving change room and canteen. I was expecting Hawkesbury, to be honest. Yeah. A few people have said Hawkesbury's fucking shit to play up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, mate, uh, you've got a massive calendar. You, you're traveling all around the world. Now, you, you've got a missus, I believe. I do, somehow. I don't know how. Yeah, I was just about to ask, how the fuck do you have a missus while you're traveling everywhere? Does she go along with you on the ride or does she stay in Sydney? um she's a saint uh she well, <laughs> since COVID, she hasn't come with me so the last two years she hasn't at all so we've Shit. we've oh, done this, this year four months uh almost to the day last year four months plus the two for big bash where she wasn't allowed in um and then this big bash is uncertain uh they're talking about 14 days quarantine for the big bash which would oh, absolutely no. kill me um and but prior to that, she used to come a little bit. Like she came to to Canada with me. We were due to go on holiday, and then that quickly got canned because I had to go to England. Uh, so I left her. I've left her stranded a couple of times. So I think she's a bit off. Um, <laughs> I've left her stranded in the UK and Canada when she's come over to visit me. So she's a bit oh, cautious Jesus. now. But I, I've taken her to um, the Caribbean and and the UAE, which has been awesome. So we don't get you know, much opportunity to do a lot during 
these tournaments uh, or yeah. now more so, but even in our off days. So when she comes, it's nice to just completely switch off from cricket and, and mm. try and seek out some tourism options um, mm. and see different parts of wherever we are. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I've heard a couple of rumours that Sydney grade cricket's happening early November, late November. Who knows when it's fucking happening. Do you have any insight into when it's starting and are you playing the start of the season going into the Big Bash? Oh, well, as long as it happens, yeah, before. So I can, I can tell you what I've heard. So I've heard I have to be at Sydney Thunder camp on the 29th of October. Uh, what are we, November? November. Um, so, at yeah. At the moment, they're, well, when I last heard, they're trying to, they're looking at uh, potentially starting it outside of New South Wales and Victoria, which would be terrible um, oh, because geez. if they do that, then any player in New South Wales and Victoria not playing domestic cricket, which is me, yep. you have to do 14 days of hotel quarantine, maybe allowed out three hours a day to train, maybe not. The girls currently in the bubble there, uh, from New South Wales, at 14 days hard quarantine, Victoria ACT allowed out three hours a day before their tournament starts. Um, so that would mean I'd go in at like the 15th of November. And Jesus. then the grey cricket window is they're trying to get to start at the beginning of November and play one day as in T20s only this season. Um, so yeah, that happens. I'll try. I'm hoping um, they don't do it outside of New South Wales and they do it all in New South Wales and Victoria, which would be ideal. Um and then I can play great cricket as soon as it starts right up until I can't. So I'm, I'm mm. looking like usual, sort of start of the season, end of the season of up at NDs. Now, just just um, you're an ND Ranger. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm a big fan of their team song um, yeah. or their winning song. Um, are you an ND Ranger for life now? Look, I think so. I, I had a, a three-year sabbatical um, away at Manly, um, mm -hmm. singing a different kind of song. But, um, you know, I sort of made that move. I never thought I'd leave Endies. Endies was yeah. you know, like the thunder. They were the ones who, who gave me an opportunity. I, I grew up in the area. I have, I had and have a lot of mates there. Not saying that I don't at Manly, but, um, you know, that was my big reason for wanting to go back last year was – just to be back a part of where it started for me. And um, I really enjoy it. There's a lot of people off the field there that have done a lot for me in, in my career. So now to have that opportunity to give back, I, I would say that I am an ND Ranger for life, but anything can happen. I don't know how long yeah. I'll play the game for. I think the day my professional career is done, I think I'll be done. Um, mm -hmm. But hey, we are human beings and money does talk. So we'll see what happens. Absolutely. Well, mate, I'd like to finish on this note. Thanks for catching me on the boundary um, at O&L last season in the 2020 stuff. In the wind. Yeah, in the wind. <laughs> it's always windy at O&L. It's a bloody yes. nightmare. Nightmare of a place to play. So, um, Did you hit me for six, though? No, I didn't. That was one of your mates. He, he, he actually told me to bring it up today. He's like, oh, yeah. say good day to Chris Green for me. Yeah. <laughs> So, no, nah, thank you so much for coming on, mate. We really appreciate your time. No worries. No, thanks for having me. And, um, yeah, looking forward to my next journey out to O&L. <laughs> Absolutely. Cheers, I'll, I'll have to come and have a beer with you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, thanks, boys. All the best. Cheers. Thanks for listening to another episode of the official Big Stiff podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Hey, um, Scotty, you there, mate? Yeah, mate, I'm here. 
Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Spotify, Apple Podcast. Just type in at the Big Stiff Podcast and you should find us there. Okay, thanks. Bye, guys.